to the Life in the Land of the Ice and Snow podcast. Today we have Irma from New Jersey. And Irma, how long have you been here in Sweden? 15 and a half years now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have to go through the usual why are yeah. you here? <laughs> I am what they call a love refugee. As uh, many of us are. Yes. <laughs> Moved here um, for my then boyfriend, Daniel, who mm-hmm. is now my husband, because uh, in the States, it was either stay and get married or move to Sweden. And I didn't want to get married. So we moved to Sweden. <laughs> ah, but you're married now. So yeah. how long after you moved to Sweden did you get married? Um, it was about three years, I think. Actually. You did get married in Sweden. Yes. Right. Yes. Can you tell me about that? Actually, I like the whole Swedish way of doing that whole thing way better than the American way. And so when I when I found out that in Sweden, people generally get engaged by both wearing rings and they both wear very simple bands and they kind of just sort of decide it together. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And it's just a simple gold band and each person wears this gold band and that's just for engagement. Because I feel like in the States that we do it a little backwards Uh with some fancy diamond engagement ring and then the wedding ring is often something simple. I agree completely and for me, I mean, he still proposed, he surprised me but then it was with these two very simple rings, which I very much like. And then we got married at Stadshuset, which is the the city hall. Big, nice city hall. Yeah, for any American listeners, it's not like any city hall that you know. (laughs) Oh no, it is gorgeous. It's like a castle. It's very pretty and on the inside it is just just gold and shiny and it's gorgeous it's very nice and so it was just a very simple civic ceremony i think we took the long version which was one minute (laughs) maybe two wow i'd like to see the short version (laughs) i know it's something like 20 seconds they just like ask you do you do you okay we should also mention that the city hall is where they have the nobel dinner oh yes just to get an idea of how nice exactly is so you book your time you go in you have have your little ceremony, but it is super quick and you can only have a certain amount of people in there with you. But um, it was very nice. How many are you allowed to have? I think it was around 15. That's a pretty good number. I yeah. thought it would be smaller. And then the ceremony was in Swedish. So you have no idea what you nope, agreed to. That's pretty much <laughs> it. At the time, I'd been here three years and I was learning Swedish, but especially with those nerves and all those people around you and everything. And, and she was talking really quickly and I didn't I didn't know <laughs> anything that she was saying. I just knew when to say y'all, which I think I had to ask beforehand, like, what do I say? Let's talk about some of the Swedish wedding traditions that are very different. I think the biggest thing about Swedish weddings is the reception afterwards and the speeches. Swedish weddings typically go way past midnight. Everyone has to stand up and give a speech. Mm-hmm. I- I'm not saying that you're forced to. I'm saying that they all keep drinking yeah. and then they want to. <laughs> some of them get up more than once and ramble on. It's very difficult when you go to somebody's wedding when you first arrive in Sweden and you don't speak any Swedish and then you're stuck for five or six hours (laughs) listening to speeches that you don't understand. People here do assign seats. Yeah. I've noticed. No. Yeah, they do that here. It's weird. Yes. <laughs> they did it at my. They did it at a family Christmas once at my husband's family. For a family that basically yeah. knows we everybody. We all know each other, and we were twelve people in the apartment, and they had assigned seating after we'd had Christmas like eight <laughs> years in a row. I'm like, what is going on? This is weird. 
So I asked you if you had any interesting Swedish news stories that you would like to talk about. There's one that I think could only happen in Sweden. It was a plot that they uncovered to kidnap a giant hay goat by using a helicopter and flying it from a small town in Sweden to Stockholm and landing it there. Okay, so we need to back up yeah. because, number one, I know this story, and this is maybe a couple of years ago yeah. that this happened, mm-hmm. and I think we need to back up and explain. There's a lot of history behind this. So there is a small city outside of Stockholm called Jävle, uh, north of Stockholm. I think it's about a two-hour drive. They have a tradition every year where they build this giant hay goat for the month of December that's sitting in a square in the middle of town. And the reason why it's a goat is because that's a typical Swedish thing, Straw goats, I think. Yeah, straw goat. That's probably the best way to say it. Uh, So they build this huge one that, I don't know, maybe it's about four stories high. So there's another tradition that goes along with this goat, and that started, I think, pretty much from the first year that it was built. And that tradition is to destroy the goat, (laughs) mainly by burning it. That's how they destroy it. So there's been all sorts of like funny ways that they've done it. They There was one time where two guys dressed as, I think, Santa Claus and a gingerbread man shot a, a flaming arrow at it, and that <laughs> burned it down. So it becomes almost as much a tradition yes. as building the goat to see who can get rid of it. And I think betting companies take bets if it's going to be burned. And they do everything. They try using protective mm-hmm. spray. Yeah. They put guards out. Mm-hmm. They'll put fences out. People still manage to get to it, but they do try to protect it. The one time, I, I mean, I really like seeing the goat. I visited it. It's super cute. But the one year I was really very sad about it burning down was about two years ago. It was the 50th anniversary and Aww. it burned down the same night that they built it. Or maybe Aww. it was the next day. I can't remember. It, it should was at least stay up a little while. So disappointing. I'm like, <laughs> they put a little bow tie on him. He was so cute. And then they burned him down. I was just looking it up on Wikipedia because I wanted to see when this started. The first year they built the goat was in 1966. Right. And it burned down. If you look it up on Wikipedia, it will give you a timeline of every year that they built it, what they did for security, Mm -hmm. and how many times it was burned down and and how. (laughs) One of my favorites is that a group of Swedes convinced an American guy once that it was a tradition (laughs) and this is what they do and it's just something everyone expects and it's part of the tradition. And so he went and he did it. He lit it on fire and it burned down and then he got arrested and I think sent back back to the U.S. So because there are people out there who are thinking, what can we do that would make the news? They get really creative. There was a group of Swedes who planned one year that they were going to fly a helicopter to Yavla. I guess, I don't know, land, tie it up to the helicopter (laughs) so that the helicopter could lift it up. They were going to fly it to Stockholm and set it down in Stureplan, which is a square in the middle of the city. And the thing is that I think they could have done it. Definitely. I just looked it up and it was in 2010 that they tried to do this. But the goat actually survived that year. It it said (laughs) on December 17th, a Swedish news site reported that one of the guards tasked with protecting the goat had been offered payment to leave his post so that the goat could be stolen via helicopter and transported (laughs) to Stockholm. (laughs) 
wanted to talk about a special food in Sweden that you would not think would be different, but it is very different, and that is the Swedish pizza. So you're from New Jersey. You're right outside of New York. I think you're a good person to talk to about what a proper pizza should be. I'll start with my experience. When I came to Sweden and the first time we ordered a pizza, Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to split the pizza. (laughs) And my husband says, you can order what you want, and I'll order what I want. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, wow. That's a whole pizza to myself. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Turns out that the pizzas in Sweden are very flat and they're so big they don't fit in the pizza box. But that doesn't mean they're filling. It's just that they're extremely thin. Yeah. But not a crispy thin. Mm -hmm. The menus at almost all of the Swedish pizzerias are about 70 pizzas long Mm -hmm. and they have the strangest things. Gosh, where to start? Yes. uh, Bernays sauce. But they put too much. Yeah. They, they, they'll put corn on the pizza. Yeah. Curry, bananas. Curry, curry and bananas. Yeah. I think my sister-in-law orders that a right. lot. Like you say, they pile it up with stuff. There's whole mussels and, and other things that they put on top and so many strange things. Let's see. I found a pizza menu oh, here just from great. your random Swedish pizzeria. Mm-hmm. This is one in my neighborhood. And let me just read out a few of these. We have one with chicken, pineapple, banana, peanuts, and curry. Oh. That's all on one pizza. Pizza. Oh, wow. We have pizza with shrimp, mussels, tuna fish, and sardines. Yeah, your typical seafood pizza. Oh, of course. Doesn't everybody eat that? <laughs> Here's another one with ham, bacon, tomato, and Bernays sauce. Yeah, there's the Bernays sauce. I didn't even really know what Bernays sauce was until I moved to Sweden. Same here. And then I realized, wow, they love Bernays sauce here. <laughs> I do have to say, when we're talking about Swedish pizzerias, that those are your general neighborhood pizzerias. And now I am so happy because I feel like in Stockholm, at least, we're going through a pizza revolution. The Italians have (laughs) arrived and they said, all right, enough with this nonsense. And we're going to give you some real pizza. So everybody seems to be going for the Naples type yes, of pizza. Which that, I'm and okay it's with. cooked very quick in the 400 degree oven. It's excellent. We're getting more and more places. Yeah. I have uh, some Italians at work that have told me about a couple places. Our favorite place yes, is, is Omnipolo's Omni Hat. Hat. They also have a different selection of craft beers every which time. Very good. The only drawback with this place is that it's very small. It's best to go at an off time yep. if you want to get a good seat. It's totally worth it. It's so good. It's so worth it. It's <laughs> amazing pizza. And another one I've discovered is Mino Male. They Mm -hmm. have two locations so far. I think they're opening a third in Stockholm. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. It's the Naples type of pizza. The ingredients are fresh. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's cooked so quickly because the oven is so hot. I love that place. And the Italians at work have told me about a place, and I think it was called Gino's. Mm -hmm. I haven't been yet, but I've heard that it's very good. I'm so happy we're getting more places. The first time I served a pumpkin pie to my husband's family, their comments were, it's weird, but it tastes good. And I don't think that the pie itself was weird And while they were eating it. I think it's just the thought that they were eating this pumpkin as a pie. I think they thought that was strange. But they like the flavors because gingerbread is a big thing here. They love gingerbread. And it's the same spices. So It is uh, because you're adding cinnamon, clove, and ginger into yep. your pumpkin pie, mm-hmm. which is the same thing you would add into a gingerbread yeah. recipe. Yeah. 
Yeah. The other thing that they had trouble with in my family was the sweet potatoes. It was very hard to find sweet potatoes when I moved here 18 years yeah. ago. But, but now, now you, you find them oh, all yeah. the time and they're coming up with healthy recipes yeah. and all the benefits of sweet potatoes. Oh, yeah. But of course, I would hold dinner every November for Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. which of course we don't have in Sweden. No, but we do I, it anyway. I have so many people in the U.S. that will ask me, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? <laughs> and I'll say, you do realize that That's, that doesn't make any sense yeah. in Sweden. Yeah. But it's still very nice to have the food mm -hmm. and then have your family over. Yep. And we make my grandmother's sweet potato recipe. Mm -hmm. And it's sweet potatoes with brown sugar and oh. pecans on top. Mm -hmm. There's about six eggs and a whole thing of butter in mm -hmm. it. It's the most unhealthy thing, but it Delicious. tastes so good. <laughs> yes. The funniest thing about having family over for Thanksgiving dinner where I serve the traditional American foods. We yeah. always have turkey, cranberry sauce, green bean casserole, pumpkin pie, pecan pie, and my Swedish husband makes them all. <laughs> <laughs> I usually ask people if they have a tip about something to do in Stockholm or mm -hmm. in Sweden, something maybe people don't know about or new people here might want to know about. The one thing I always say that's good for people who are visiting Stockholm for the first time, it sounds very touristy and maybe it is, but I thought it was excellent and I think everybody enjoys it. And it's the Under the Bridges tour. It's this boat that you go on that's a very low boat so that it can go under the bridges. There's a lot of low bridges in yes, Stockholm. Yes, very low bridges. Stockholm is a, is a city of islands and lots of water, lots of bridges. And you have a tour that actually goes under all the bridges or around the city. And it also goes through the locks. There's a lot of locks that are around the city as well. And so it does a tour of the city by water, which is a great tour because a lot of the stuff that's nice to see in Stockholm is by the water. So you get to see a whole lot of it. They talk a lot about what you're seeing too. And it's such a really chill way to see the city because you're just sitting in this boat, just sort of gliding along for an hour or two hours. I you don't can really almost remember. see the whole city by yeah. water because everything surrounds it. It's exciting with the lock. They call it a sluice. Yeah, here. Right. And I believe there's at least two and they separate Lake Malloran from yeah. the Baltic Sea. I just showed this for the first time to my son mm -hmm. because where we're recording this podcast is right next to one. Yep. And what you do is you sail in and there's a wall and they stop the boat and then another wall comes up behind the boat. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of stuck in this place and yep. then they adjust the water level depending on which way you're going. It either goes down or it goes up and once it's connected to the other side of the water then they open the other wall. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a neat experience that yeah. you don't get to see every day. It is. It's, it's a cool thing to see just to kind of stand by the side and watch the boats go through the lock or it's mm -hmm. cool to be on this tour and actually go through one and, and do that too. And so you get to see a lot of the city from the water. It's super nice. It was very nice for my dad who when he came to visit he has problems with his knees and a lot of trouble walking. So it was the perfect thing for my parents to just sit and to see so much of the city from the water. I think it's a really really nice way to experience the city, especially for newcomers. I mean, even for people who've been here for a while, it's kind of a cool thing just to do. The fun thing about winters here is if it gets extremely cold, since this is a city made up of islands, there are certain areas where if the water freezes over, you can walk from one island to the other. Well, you know, with global warming, that doesn't really happen as much anymore. I think it did happen this year, though. I did get to walk on the ice this year, but I stayed close to the edge because I had a scary experience. Last time we had it very, very cold. It was about 
seven or eight years ago, I can't really remember. There was actually two years in a row where everything froze, the lake froze. And one year we went out on the lake. We're like, this is so cool. We went walking out with everybody else. And I was nervous at first, but there were so many people out there. It was very safe. And we just walked out to the middle and people were just sitting out there and having fika out there and, and all this stuff. It was so, so cool. And then we decided to do it again the next time it got that cold. And, and it had been cold for a long time. I mean, very, very cold. It needs to be for the ice to be right. thick enough. And we went out and it's all iced over, but there's nobody except for some people who are cross-country skiing across mm-hmm. the ice. And they usually stay closer to the edges. Well, these people were closer to the middle, but they would ski a little bit and then they would stop and then they use their sticks to kind of like hit the ice and kind of test it a little bit. That should have been our first clue. <laughs> and yet we didn't really think about it and just decided to go walk out on the ice. And we did that. And we're like, man, there's nobody around. There's <laughs> there's not anyone here. Just as a side note, if you've ever been somewhere with where a whole lake is frozen, you would notice that it makes the coolest sounds ever. If it's absolutely silent, like you don't have any other things going on, like a lot of cars going by or anything, the lake almost whistles. It's this sort of weird like whoo sound that you hear of the ice. It's, I think it has something to do with the air across the ice, but also there's a lot of little cracking and stuff that's happening too, which is normal. That's normal even with ice that you can walk on. Mm-hmm. But there's all these very, very cool, cool sounds that happen at a completely frozen lake. But we were walking along and just sort of listening to everything. And we were pretty chill about it because we'd done this before. We're pros. (laughs) We're fine. And then we take a step. We're somewhere in the middle of the lake and we take a step and we just hear this giant snap underneath us. And I could be making this up, but I thought I felt myself sink a little bit like the ice had moved we kind of looked at each other and just said back to the shore. I've heard that if you hear ice breaking, if you notice ice is breaking, you're supposed to lay flat on the ice because that spreads the weight out. And I thought about it at that moment, but I thought either lay flat on the ice or run back to the shore. I'm running back to the shore. So we moved as quickly as we could back to the shore. But it's not easy to run on ice no, it without isn't. falling down. This is true. However, the ice is covered with like a layer of snow, so it wasn't mm, it wasn't too bad. We weren't yeah. running. We were just moving as quickly as we could. Nothing else happened on that way. It was very stupid. And as soon as we got to shore, my knees were shaking. My legs were just shaking and I said I'm never walking on ice ever again in my entire life and I did it this winter but I stayed very very close to the edge and there was a ton of people on the ice at that time so I knew it was okay I think the lesson here is don't do it unless there are a lot of people out that's kind of how I do it and I still stay near the edge the thing is is I was with a native Swede but (laughs) has to be has to be a large group yeah I think so a large a large group of people when you see tons of people out there with their dogs and playing around and and everything, then it's fine. All right. Well, we'll wrap this up now. Please enjoy the wonderful pizzas that they have here now. Please don't burn down any straw goats. No, we do not condone that. No. We enjoy watching, but we do not condone it. Right. And have a wonderful, dark Swedish day. (laughs) 